here's the thing. Ever wonder why aspiring authors spend so much time trying to crack the code about how to get published? That's because no one who's in the daily grind like me has put all the pieces together in one place. It's Carly Waters here, and as your senior literary agent on the podcast with 15 years of experience in publishing, selling books, and teaching the business of publishing, I'm here to give you the clarity that will turn this hobby into a career. Inside my course, The Author's Publishing Playbook, we have monthly live Q&A sessions to cover your specific issues, but for the rest, there are over 40 video lessons that equal 10 hours of learning with professionally edited transcripts. The course will solve all your writerly problems, except write your book for you. That's on you. My course is a masterclass designed to teach writers how to prepare, pitch, publish, and promote their book in today's competitive publishing landscape. It's for career-driven writers, aspiring and published, who want to understand how to succeed in the business of books. There are over 20 worksheets, downloads, and plug-and-play templates for editing, querying, and marketing. You get lifetime access for the entire six-module course as soon as you purchase. As new content's added, you have access to that as well. Don't forget, there's a mobile app on top of computer access you can learn on the go. Get started today to gain the career you've only dreamed about. And you guys get a discount. So at checkout, carlywaters.com course, use code POD15. That's code POD15 when you check out for 15% off. That's carlywaters.com course, use code POD15. That's code POD15 when you check out for 15% off. See you inside the course. Hi, everyone. This is Cece. If you're a fan of books with hooks, then you've probably heard me use the term interiority. I often catch myself saying things like, these pages need more interiority, or the interiority here needs work. And that's because interiority is a super important element of storytelling. It's what makes books unique. But as it turns out, a lot of you have questions about what exactly is interiority and how to properly weave it into stories, which is why I'm teaching my popular writing interiority class in a new two-day format. We'll meet on Thursday, June 6 at 8 p.m. via Zoom to cover all things interiority, including the difference between interiority and emotions, how interiority is different from telling, how to leverage interiority into plot points, how to strike a balance between interiority and mystery, and more. And then we'll meet again for a live cozy Q&A session on Monday, June 10th, also at 8 p.m. via Zoom, in which you'll have the opportunity to turn your camera on if you choose. If you're interested, check out the link in my bio on Instagram, and I hope to see you there. there and welcome to our show, The Shit No One Tells You About Writing. I'm Bianca Murray and I'm joined by Carly Waters and Cece Lira from PS Literary Agency. Hi everyone, thanks for joining us on The Shit No One Tells You About Writing podcast. I am your usual co-host, Carly Waters from PS Literary, but today I'm doing another fun bonus episode with my client, Kirsten Moglin. So I'm so happy that she's here with us, um, and I'm going to introduce her for you all. Kirsten Moglin is an Amazon Top 30 bestselling author of psychological thrillers, a member of International Thriller Writers, and the Alliance of Independent Authors, a KDP Select All-Star, and a Thriller Fix Best Psychological Thriller Award recipient, Kirsten grew up in rural Western Kentucky with dreams of someday publishing a book or two. With more than 25 books published to date, Kirsten now lives in Nashville, Tennessee with her husband, daughter, and their two Boston Terriers, Cedric and Georgie. She is best known for her unpredictable psychological suspense, 
Kirsten's work is currently being translated into multiple languages and readers across the world refer to her as the queen of twists, a Netflix addict, Shonda Rhimes superfan, and psychology fanatic, and indoor enthusiast. Kirsten enjoys rainy days spent with her nose in a book. For more information on how to connect with Kirsten, please visit kirstenmoglinauthor.com. So Kirsten, we're so glad to have you on the podcast. Thanks for coming. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Um, One of the things we talk about a lot on the podcast is traditional publishing, but obviously that is not the route for everybody. It doesn't need to be the route for everybody. Bianca has done an interview before with uh, Kathleen Tucker, aka K.A. Tucker. So yes, we've had a little bit of self-pub or indie pub representation on the podcast, but I thought it would be great to add another voice to the mix. And you are my client, so I thought it'd be fun for everybody to listen to us talk about the agent-author relationship in the indie world. Uh, And one of the number one things I get asked when I talk about repping an indie author is they ask, why do they need an agent? You know, they're they're going the indie route. So we're going to dive into all of that here. So we're thankful to all the listeners for tuning in. So we started working together in January of this year, 2021. And my first question for you is what led you to the moment that you realized that you needed an agent to help you with your career, even though it's an indie route? Yeah. So I had, you know, been going it alone for a while, just, you know, doing my indie thing. And I guess a few years ago, probably about two years ago, I started getting reached out to by audio publishers, you know, wanting to take my books to audio and up until that point, my books had only been ebook and print. And so I really wasn't thinking about audio. Um, I didn't know a lot about it. Um, and I did my first few just on my own. Um, and then I started getting reached out to more. And I started getting reached out to about um, translation deals and that sort of thing. And I just really got into a lot of stuff I didn't understand. And I really felt like I needed someone who who understood how to do it, what the ins and outs were of that entire process. And I just was really worried I would do something that I would end up regretting. And so I was like, okay, it's time to bring someone on who can help me, you know, figure out my way through all of this. And you were, you know, obviously one of my first choices. Um, We had been in contact at the beginning of my career. And so I was just really excited to to find someone um, who could help me navigate all the stuff that I didn't understand as an indie. And I was so glad to to hear from you because I think the audio market is such a hot market. And I think that was one of the things where I felt like as an agent, you know, I want to help all of my clients maximize their revenue streams, right? That's one of, one of my goals and one of my jobs. And so for you, knowing you were prolific, for those of you that don't know, Kirsten, she writes about a book a month. She is an absolute, <laughs> absolute firecracker. And it's so wonderful to see. So I knew we had all this awesome content with the audio market booming, you know, it was just such a great opportunity for you to also maximize more sales. And I also feel like, you know, it democratizes the reading experience by making sure that your work is available in all the formats that, you know, readers could potentially want to access you in. And and audio is one of those wonderful things. So yeah, so I'm going to, I'm going to brag about you for a second, if that's okay. So here's As I said, she publishes a book a month. She also sells, I think I tried to add it up, and you have sold over 300,000 units of your book in three years of all of your books. And I just want to give you some claps for that because that is an absolute milestone. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. I It's really started ramping up within the last year or so. And so just looking at the numbers keep climbing is, is always insane. 
Yeah. And me reaching, reaching new readers every day. It's so great. So tell us a little bit about your, your one woman show, I call it, because, you know, being the writer, people with uh, not knowing too much about self-publishing, they kind of assume that the writer has to do it all. But a lot of prolific indie authors have to hire people like cover designers and editors and things like that. So you, can you tell us about like who else is on your, your team? Yeah. So when I started out, I hired out for everything. I had a cover designer, I had a formatter and I had an, an editor and a proofreader. Since I have gotten going and really learned the industry. I've actually taught myself to do my own cover design and my own formatting. But I do have a editor who is amazing. Her name is Sarah West. She works with Three Owls Editing. And she has been with me since about my fifth book. So we've had a long career together. I absolutely love her. And she does the first two rounds. She does a content and then a line edit for me. And then I have a proofreader whose name is Rosa Sharon. Um, she works for my brother's editor. Um, is the name of the company. And um, she does the final round of proofing for me. And she is equally amazing and just has the best eagle eyes. <laughs> she catches every little typo um, at the end. So they're wonderful. It's so important to have a great editor. And the cover design, um, at first, I didn't know that you did your own covers. And then we were trying to get the covers ready to send, I think it was to the audio publishers or the forum publishers. And you're like, yeah, I do them myself. <laughs> so yeah, you you really do do it all. Uh, another a topic of conversation about indie authors is this whole conversation around control and, and, you know, whether it's naturally people who want more control that maybe gravitate towards the indie route or just kind of falling into that and then really enjoying that control. Was that something that you always took into consideration? Is it still a blessing and a curse for you? Or how does that control conversation feel like to you right now? In the beginning, I wanted to go traditional and I really wasn't thinking about control, mostly because I didn't understand the publishing world. I didn't know anything about, you know, the back end of it. I just knew I wanted to write books that I wanted to get them to readers. And because I ended up doing the indie route, I learned all about the back end. I learned about ads and obviously cover design um, and just all of the ins and outs that go into making a book, you know, producing a book and then getting it in front of readers. And then, you know, as you know, now we have this two book deal with a traditional publisher. And for me, the control part has been so much fun. And it's obviously a different world, you know, going into not having as much control over those books. And so my favorite part of being an indie is now that I understand what goes into, um, you know, every aspect of the publishing world is being able to control that. And so I am a little bit of a control freak anyway. Um, but it wasn't something that, you know, I thought about starting out. It's just something that the more I've learned and I understand what goes into it, it's just kind of a natural, I think, progression for me to to have that control over my indie work and to be able to, to really have a say in everything that goes on from the cover to the pricing to, you know, every sort of sale. And so I think it's really important that people that are indies want to dive into it because I think if, if you don't, you know, have that desire to really control everything and you want to just hand it off, um, it can be a little bit more of a struggle. Um, you have to really get in there because there are days that I'm meant to be writing and I spend all day, you know, having to do something else on the back end that has nothing to do with really writing the story, correcting things in a proofread or going through and setting up a newsletter or an ad or just all the different things on the back end that really you don't think of when you think of being a writer. So yeah, I think being an indie, you really have to have kind of a knack for wanting to control parts of it. Yeah. And when you were going into it, did it seem like the more that you learned, the more doors that were opened? Because I imagine, you know, you kind of start out thinking like, I'm going to write this book and I'm going to put it up online and, you know, it, it's it's all going to work out. And then you realize like, oh, I need to understand metadata and ads. Yes. And, and was that overwhelming to you or did you like learning all those things? It was a little overwhelming at first, just because I truly had no idea what I was doing. And so 
you know, I was spending all this time on YouTube and Google just trying to like learn. I didn't really have any friends in the industry that I could reach out to and ask questions. And so it was a lot of like, I really hope I'm doing this right. I'm just going to throw it up and hope that it works. And obviously there were mistakes made and things that I had to fix, but yeah, it was, it was definitely overwhelming, but then there's a sense of like power almost now that I do understand it and that I really am self-taught in a lot of the things that I had to learn. And, and now I do, you know, even though I haven't been in this industry a long time, I really feel like I understand a lot of what goes into and appreciate a lot of what goes into publishing in general. I want to switch gears to a couple topics. I want to talk about TikTok and author brands and all of that sort of fun stuff. So can you, um, for people that don't follow you on social media, can you tell the listeners about your viral TikTok moment? Yeah. <laughs> so I had kind of resisted TikTok for a while. I thought it was just something that a lot of like really young people did. My sister was on it and she was like, you've got to get on this. And I had no interest in being on TikTok, but eventually I did take the plunge and I really just found myself kind of addicted to just watching the videos. I really loved book talk and seeing all of the fun, creative ways that people were promoting books, talking about books that they love. And so I started just kind of doing silly ones um, with my husband. Like this is how a reader drinks coffee and we'd like overfill his coffee while he's reading a book or just silly things like that. Um, And I really never got any views. I had, I think, less than 100 followers, but it was just some like a fun creative outlet for me. And so one day I was trying to promote my, my book, The Arrangement, and I was trying to come up with something like unique and fun. And I'd seen some authors doing something similar in that they would basically tell the story like they were their character, like something in the book had happened to them. And so I was like, that could be really fun for my book, The Arrangement, which for those of you who don't know, is about an open marriage. Um, gone terribly wrong, basically. And um, so I was like, I'm just going to pretend basically that I'm going through this, that my husband and I have decided to try an open marriage and that, you know, things are going like spiraling very quickly. And I was like, this is, this could go really well or really badly. Um, I took it up to my husband after I'd recorded it. And I was like, should I post it? And he was like, I don't know. And we both just kind of weighed whether it was a good idea. And I was like, well, if I get a bunch of bad comments, I'll delete it. And so I posted it. And I think within an hour, I had like 16,000 views. Um, And I think for all of my TikToks combined, I didn't even have 1,600 views. So it was really huge. And then now it's up to 3 million. And it just really took off. People were really responding to it. Obviously, I got a little bit of hate. But a lot of people were like, I love this. This is so creative. This is a really fun, you know, like one girl was like, I left this on while I was eating breakfast to help your algorithm. <laughs> like I had a lot of support and it was just a really, really cool experience. That's so funny. Yeah. And I mean, there were so many things that obviously, you know, we don't know what book talk is going to do or what TikTok can do. And I had a film agent reach out to me after they had seen this TikTok and they reached out to us and they said, Hey, have you, do you have film and TV rep yet? And I'm like, no, I'm shopping it around right now. And we actually got our film and TV agent through this viral TikTok. So for anybody listening, that's a little bit hesitant to get on TikTok. There's your answer. (laughs) Absolutely. It is free marketing. I don't know why I was so hesitant to do it because it really is just a way to get in front of people that maybe aren't on Facebook and Instagram and the traditional um, platform. So, and it's just, like I said, it's a lot of fun and it's a really creative way to be in front of new readers. And do you have any advice for anybody that is hesitant? I know we've kind of been talking it up already, but do you have any advice about getting started? Just like being creative and playful with it? What do you think? The first thing that you have to do, because I was not very comfortable being on camera myself. And so a lot of my first videos are of my husband or of, you know, my books um, and, and people like those. But I think the more comfortable you'll get with putting yourself on camera and just not 
worrying about whether you look okay or, um, you know, if, if people are going to think you're silly. I think the beauty of TikTok is that everyone looks silly. We're all on there just laughing at ourselves and laughing at other people. Like, I think that that's just the fun of it is that no one takes themselves too seriously over there. And so I think if you're hesitant to be over there, because I've seen a lot of people say this, they just don't want to be on film. They don't want their faces. Um, and if you're using a pin name, obviously it's a little bit different, but if you're comfortable putting yourself on film, but you're just worried how you'll come across, I think just taking that plunge and realizing there's a lot of supportive people over there who just want to talk, you know, connect with writers and, and learn about books. So just don't take yourself too seriously. Get over there. Watch what other people are doing on book talk. That's one really good thing about TikTok is it's very collaborative. No one's going to judge you for, you know, taking ideas that you've seen other people do. It's, it's all about trends and, you know, like challenges that you'd see on Instagram or Facebook everybody's kind of doing the same thing, but putting their own spin on it. So you don't have to be like super creative and come up with your own ideas. Just watch the book talks that are already doing well and then, you know, make it your own for your own book. Yeah. I think that was really interesting what you were saying about it being a more relaxed environment and people take themselves less seriously because I think every social media platform has their own quirk. Right. And I think Instagram yeah. is so overpolished sometimes that I think one of the reasons TikTok took off with the Gen Z is that they were trying to kind of push against that picture perfect Instagram magazine world and do their own fun things. So, yeah, I feel like I would have a fun yeah. time on TikTok because I, I just love Instagram so much. But after this conversation, you, you might have convinced me, too, that I need to get on it. <laughs> it's fun. I mean, I really I had such a hard time because I was in that Instagram mindset you know, always have your hair and makeup done perfectly. Always, you know, just like you said, be polished. And I'm over there, like there are people eating in the middle of their videos. Like, I mean, it's just, no one's wearing makeup. Everyone has their hair up. They're wearing pajamas, like no one cares. And I think that there's just something really refreshing about that after being mm -hmm. on Instagram and Facebook for so long. And my first few videos, if you go back, I have my hair and makeup done perfectly. My last few, I, I can't tell you the last one I posted with makeup on. <laughs> like, it's just a really fun, relaxed, you feel like you're hanging out with friends and it's, it's, it's a really cool environment. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also it's reflective about, you know, the pandemic and us spending so much time at home in our pajamas and our, and our sweatpants <laughs> and our leggings, you know, that's just real life yeah. over there. So that's so fun. I, um, I was doing a workshop on author brands a while back and I asked you for your advice about, um, author brands. So I'm going to quote yourself back to you. Okay. Think of yourself as a brand. Everything you do as an author is part of your brand. It's not just the books. We are our own brand. That means the way you interact with fans, the photos you post on social media, your blog or social media posts, and your presence in the media is all part of your brand. Think of it almost as a persona, like a musical artist might take on. I'm not saying you need to be fake. Readers can smell that a mile away. But I think the most important thing is to remember that your authenticity has to carry out throughout everything you do and you need to be consistent. I recommend being active on the platforms you're on. Don't spread yourself too thin on too many, but rather choose one or two you can commit to being active on. I also recommend using the same filters on every social media post, the same few colors featured through your posts, same fonts on graphics, same general style for yourself, whether that's dresses, black t-shirts and skinny jeans, vintage polka dot dresses, band t-shirts and tennis shoes, suit and tie, etc. Your brand style can be whatever you choose. The most important thing is to be consistent with it. When readers see you, whether it's in an event or on their newsfeed, they should know it's you immediately. And I think that that answer was just so thoughtful about the way that you have been so conscious of your brand and so brand forward. Obviously, the writing comes first, the talent comes first. But one of the things I think that drew me to you as well is that you're so conscious of everything from your cover designs, you know, reflecting each other to one of your other tips is making sure that you always use the same author photo, you know, that you don't mm -hmm. change it. I believe that was one of your tips as well. And, and just being so conscious of it. And was that something 
that you learned through doing or have you always kind of had that business mindset? How would you say that you learned those branding skills? Yeah, I definitely learned that all through doing. Um, In the beginning, I really didn't know what I was doing. I really tried to play into my, you know, I write very dark books. So I tried to play into my dark, creepy, you know, stories. And so I would share things that maybe weren't true to like how I was feeling, but just like more dark quotes or um, like my author picture was very like dark and I don't know, creepy is the only word I can think of, but it just, I tried to like play that role. And I, you know, I use different photos. Like you said, the author photo for me has been really important, but I use different photos across different brands. I put different photos in the back of backs of books. And then like, as I was doing it, I was like, people should write, you know, when you're scrolling through social media and you see a profile picture and you automatically know who it is, you don't have to read their name. You just, you've seen it in your newsfeed so much, you know who it is. And I was like, people should realize that it's me when they're seeing that. And so I really started trying to be consistent with that. And then the more I grew comfortable with my, my brand and my stories and my readers, I realized I could be who I was and I could share positive quotes and no one was going to be like, you can't write thrillers because you're a positive person, you know? And so I think just being authentic and who you are, but also, like I said, sticking to that. Don't bounce around too much. Readers should just really know who you are through your posts. That's the only way that they really get to know us, you know, not necessarily through our stories, but through our presence online. And so as I went through it and got more comfortable and realized readers weren't going to judge me because I wasn't who I wrote stories about, you know, so I think it just all came from, from doing it. And, and like I said, growing more comfortable in, in who I was as a writer. We just registered my youngest kid for kindergarten. I cannot believe it. One of the tricky things about my kids being in French immersion school and not having French as a language myself is I'm honestly worried about how I'm going to assist with homework as they get bigger. They're young now, but I see it coming. We are honestly so lucky, though, to live in a city that's bilingual and we have bilingual friends and francophone friends. So I know it's going to be easy for our kids to pick it up. Me, on the other hand, I am worried about me. I grew up somewhere where French class was not taken seriously, and now I have to make up the difference. And that's where Rosetta Stone comes in. As the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app, it really immerses you in the language you want to learn. Rosetta Stone teaches through immersion, which is a proven way to learn a language. Instead of memorizing and drilling vocabulary words, you learn by matching audio from native speakers to visuals, reading stories, participating in dialogues, and other practical language skills to fast track your ability to communicate fluently. There are no English translations in the product. You're honestly getting trained to listen, speak, read, write, and think in your new language, which is what everybody wants. Rosetta Stone users especially love the speech recognition feature. As you practice speaking, Rosetta Stone uses advanced voice recognition technology to match your audio, the audio from native speakers, and then give you feedback on how well you're pronunciating the words so you can really hone those pronunciations. It offers 25 languages from Spanish, French, Italian, German, Chinese, Korean, Japanese, even Dutch, Arabic, and Polish. This is the best language program because they have been an expert in the language learning field for 30 years and used by millions. Thousands of companies and government organizations use Rosetta Stone to support language training online. Of all the apps, Rosetta Stone uses the best speech recognition technology, so it compares your sound waves to those of a native speaker for better feedback to improve. They have a patented speech recognition engine called True Accent, which is built into the program. As you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. The other language learning apps use speech recognition to detect what you said, but Rosetta Stone tells you how well you said it compared to native speakers. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. 
Think about the cost of a one-month language course. Think about the cost of one-hour private tutoring sessions. With Rosetta Stone, you enjoy lifetime membership and accessibility on desktop or app. We have a special offer for you guys. That's 50% off. That's a lifetime access to 25 language courses on Rosetta Stone for 50% off. This is a steal. Do not put off learning that language. There is no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the shit no one tells you about writing listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That We want you guys to go visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. Are you looking for beta readers, some of whom might potentially become writing group members down the line? Are you wanting to be matched up with those writing in a similar genre or time zone so they can critique your work as you critique theirs at the same time? Your manuscript doesn't have to be complete to sign up for this 3,000 word evaluation. This particular matchup will be open to registrations from now until the 2nd of June, with the matchup emails going out on the 3rd of June. For more information and to register, go to biancamaray.com, look for the beta reader matchup page, and please spread the word the more writers we have signed up the better the matches will be because you have so many dedicated passionate fans do you take advice from them in terms of what to write next i know you did this really fun giveaway on your feed where you you had a a challenge where you were going to include somebody's name as a character in your next book and so it seems like you try to find ways to weave in that fandom but how how much does that impact what you're going to write or or anything like that the naming character after a fan is something I've done I've done that from the beginning and I kind of stopped for my last few books and really picked it back up just this year Um, but my first several books I would do contests to win a chance to be featured in my book And that was always something that was really important to me. My fans loved it and I loved having the chance to do it. I do have a lot of amazing fans um, and they they have ideas for me. I've had some fans like just share like, hey, you should write a book about this. And one thing for me is I can take ideas, but it has to feel like the story that I want to write because I do write so much. I want to be really passionate about the stories that I'm writing. And so I don't tend to take cool ideas if someone gives them to me, but I do like to listen to what they're saying. If they're, you know, I've had a lot of fans that say, I love the stories that you write about husbands and wives. And so for me, like I really leaned into that and written more of that domestic thriller type of story. Or, um, you know, if I've had fans that say, I really love that you do this, or I really don't love that you do this. I try to listen, especially if I'm hearing it more and more often, because I do feel like, you know, I have fans of all different, you know, walks of life, all they're very different, but then they all like the same type of thing generally. And so if they're telling me this isn't working or this is, then I really do try and listen to them. Now, if it's just one voice and I haven't heard it a lot, then I don't try and let it persuade me to do things differently and um, than the way I've always done. But I do try and take their feedback because at the end of the day, they're the reason I have this career. And so I, I want to write stories that they want to read. And I want to, you know, write characters that they're going to enjoy reading about. Um, and can you tell the the listeners a little bit about your kind of pre-pub plans? I know you also work with a squad in terms of like um, reading arcs in advance and things like that. How do you kind of build that buzz early for pre-orders and things like that as an indie author? Yeah, so one of the things with the indie world in general, there's a lot of romance focus. Um, and so when I started out, I would do a lot of like, I would book promo tours with publicity companies. And a lot of the feedback was we're not getting a lot of signups because, you know, our readers want romance. And so I kind of had to build my own kind of team to to really help me promote. Um, And so basically what I would do in the beginning was I would 
post a sign up just on my Facebook pages and say, hey, if you're interested in reading an ARC, let me know. And then the ones that would read it and really love my work, I would just be like, hey, do you want to join my review team for future ARCs? Um, and so I've built up my K-Mod squad is what they call themselves, um, my fan group. Um, and then I also have a review team of just dedicated readers that they get a chance to read every book I ever release. They help me share. We always have like a, a currently reading graphic, which has the book cover and then like the tagline and it will say currently reading. Um, and that's another thing with branding is it's always the same graphic. They're all sharing the same picture. So people are seeing it multiple times in their newsfeed. So they help me with that. And then they help me share, you know, different promotions throughout the launch period. So we do, you know, a 10 day countdown and they help me share that. Um, they help me share review quotes. And then obviously I'll use their review quotes on my pages and social media. And so they're just really loud, excited cheerleaders for me. Um, and they're amazing. And, and because I am, you know, still doing it on my own, even though I think the indie world is growing bigger for, um, they're making more room for thriller authors. I've started this from the beginning. And so I just basically really use them and, and love getting to see their excitement and appreciate their help sharing all the excitement about my stories. And so we just, we really utilize social media, I think more than anything, just trying to get the word out via their pages and mine. The next question was just around, you know, the pandemic and COVID and how that's changed things. But I know for you, one of the things is that your career has taken off, you know, during this, during this period, have you found that, do you think it has something to do with kind of COVID and pandemic and people being at home? Or do you think it's also just people discovering your work? Do you think there's a an, uh, interplay between the two? I, I like to hope that part of it is just that I had snowballed, you know, enough promotion and, and reached enough readers that my career was going to take off, you know, without COVID. Um, but I will say, and I always say, I have to kind of give a little bit of credit to it because people were home reading more than usual. I know I read a lot more during the pandemic than usual, but also right when the pandemic started, my husband um, got laid off. And so he was home to help with my daughter throughout that, you know, the whole first half of 2020. And that really gave me more time to write than I'd ever had. You know, usually I was writing in that at night when she was asleep um, or during nap time, if I could get her down. So having him there throughout the day and me being able to write a full six to eight hours a day made such a difference and really gave me the opportunity to kind of do the one book a month thing. Um, and I think just releasing consistently in 2020 really made such a difference, um, you know, for my career and just having something new constantly. So it helped in that I had more readers home and, and, and discovering me on Amazon. But then I also just had more time to get more books out there. What is your favorite part about your job? My favorite part is writing. That is That will always be, I mean, I've been writing since I was little. It is just my escape. You know, some people love to watch Netflix. Some people love to go on hikes. Writing is my hobby. It has always been my escape when I'm feeling frustrated, when I'm feeling sad. I will come down to my office and I'll knock out a chapter and I always feel better. And so it's just something that's really special to me. It's been something I've enjoyed doing since I was very, very young. Um, and I just have a connection to it that I, I really can't explain. You know, it's just, it's so special. But then also connecting to my fans. Social media has given us such an outlet to reach fans and connect with them and get to know them in a way that, you know, I don't, I, I never got to do that with my favorite authors growing up. You know, you didn't have a way to connect with the authors that you loved. And so I think that it's really special because I grew up just wishing that someone would read my work, you know, that I would have one person, you know, ready to read it, let alone pay for it, just read it, you know? And so having people reach out to me or email me or just comment on my posts and say, I just read this story and loved it is just such validation after all the work that I've put in and all the dreaming that I've done my whole life. And so just being able to connect to readers and, and talk to them about my stories. You know, I always joke, I have people reach out and they're like, I'm so sorry to bother you, but I wanted to let you know that I love the story. And I'm like, 
oh really what, what was your favorite part <laughs> like let's talk about it I'm like you're never bothering me it's the most fun thing in the world for me to hear from readers um you know about the things that they love so it's just it's really cool I, and I wasn't sure I'd ever get to to do it so. so other than an author what would you call yourself would you call yourself a businesswoman or an entrepreneur like do you consider yourself wearing both hats yeah I definitely consider um, myself a businesswoman it is a brand you you are your brand not just your books and I have to wear the businesswoman hat and build my brand as far as you know just running consistent sales and doing a newsletter. I've had to learn how to do all that. I've had to learn um, how to run ads and, you know, reach people. I have to be creative, obviously, like with the TikTok, creative with ways of marketing myself and, you know, just always trying new things. I read a lot of business books, books about, you know, building a business from the ground up, because even though it's a different business than what you think of when you think of a small business owner, I am still a small business. I am still trying to grow and, you know, reach new people and try new avenues, you know, with audiobooks and translations. And I think all authors are small business owners in a way, but I think being indie, especially you're a small business owner in every aspect of what you're doing. Every, every part of your job, most of what you're doing every day is building that business, building that brand. And I think it's a much more active businesswoman role, right? Because you are also paying other people out of pocket to do the things like the editing, whatnot, right? Whereas with traditional, it's a little bit more passive because you lose a bit of that control. Obviously, I believe that every author is a business too, but I just think it's so interesting that um, it's a very business forward perspective. Yeah, right? yeah, definitely. You're putting more on the table and more at risk. You know, in the beginning, when I was learning to do ads and failing miserably at ads, I was losing that income and there was no guarantee I'd ever get it back. And so it really, it is a risk and it's, it's kind of scary to be putting yourself out there and not knowing if there will be a return. Um, what advice do you have for aspiring or new indie authors right now? I think my biggest piece of advice is just to keep writing, put your next book out there. It's so hard to get started. And there are success stories where people are like, my debut just took off and did wonderful. I was 15 books in and still in the negative with every single book. My 15th book did okay, but it wasn't great. My 16th book did even better. My 17th book did really well. By my 18th book, I was finally making a profit. There's something to be said for persistence and keeping at it. And if you love it, just, just pushing for it. It's, it's scary when you're seeing that you're not making enough to cover what you're putting out and knowing that you have to keep, you know, the bills paid and your family fed and you're having to work in. Like for me, I was working day jobs. So I was having to work in writing at night and I was tired. And there was always a question of, is it worth it? Is it going to pay off? But like I said, for me, writing has just always been something that I've loved. And so even if three people were reading my books, it was still something I wanted to do. Just keep going. If this is something that you love and something that you want to do, don't expect for your first or second or third or fifth book to do, you know, outrageously well. Um, but I think if you just keep going and you're writing consistently good stories, your readers are out there and they will find you as long as you keep putting things out there for them to find. There's nothing that sells your last book, like writing a new book. <laughs> yes. You got yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That was a piece of advice I was given in the beginning, you know, nothing sells your next or your last book, like your next. And so that was really important for me. Like I said, I just kept putting books out and, you know, now I have 25 and I, I don't have plans to stop because. I still know there are more readers out there that I want to reach. And so I want them to read my last. So I need them to read my next. Mm -hmm. oh, that's my plan. Get you more audio readers, get you some film yes. and TV deals, get some translation. We're, we're going to take over the world. We, we have our plan. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> if you guys are interested, if you haven't read Kirsten Mogelin yet um, and want to get into a book, I highly suggest The Arrangement. Kirsten, can you tell them what it's about? Yeah. So The Arrangement is my most popular book. Um, it released in January and 
it's already outsold all of my others. It's just doing phenomenally well. And it is a domestic thriller about a husband and wife who they're kind of at their breaking point. They have teenage kids. They've let their marriage just kind of fall by the wayside. And they're realizing, you know, once our kids grow up, what do we have left? Are we just going to divorce? Like what's going to happen? So they decide that they're going to try and fight for their marriage by basically opening it up to an arrangement. And um, they're going to start seeing other people. They divide up the week. One of them has Tuesdays and one has Thursdays. They're going to go out on a date with someone random. And so they downloaded a dating app and they each set up dates and it has to be someone new every week, someone they don't know. And the only real rule besides that is that they can't tell each other anything about the date, not who they're with, not what they do, nothing. And so very quickly, the rules are broken and things spiral out of control and go very dark. And so it's a lot of fun. It's a very quick read. And yeah, it's it's not what you expect. A lot of people are like, I thought I knew what I was getting into. And I can almost guarantee you it's not what you're expecting. No, no, you will not <laughs> predict this one. And it also just came out in audio edition from Dreamscape Media. So you can find it also wherever your audiobooks are found. But yeah, I think that's a great way to dip your toe in the water for Kirsten. Uh, but she has great books coming out every month. The audiobook is amazing. The, the narrators on the story are um, like so good and it really just brought a whole new level of depth to the story. You know, I got to listen to it and me and my husband stayed up late and listened and it was just, I had so many like cold chills throughout the whole story. So I think if you haven't read it yet and you are into audio, definitely check out the audiobook because it's well worth the listen. So I had a question um, for you as far as, I believe I'm the first indie that you've worked with. Like, what has your experience been? What sort of pros and cons what what's your experience been when you're pitching me to you know audiobook or you know all the different things that you're doing for me um what's what's that been like yeah that's a great question I think when you came across my desk I definitely did a lot of research into can I actually help you you know because there are a lot of indie authors that come to us that want us to kind of find a traditional publisher for the book that they just put out or, you know, ways that I think I can't actually help. But I think with you, I think what was really interesting is that I genuinely could see a path where I could help you make more money and be more profitable and expand your brand. And that's something that was really interesting to me. The other thing that was really interesting to me is because the audio market is booming, and we talked about that a little bit, in the traditional world, a lot of publishers are demanding audio rights when we sell print rights. So it's been a little bit hard for me to be carving out audio rights. And I know that audio rights have been selling like hotcakes. So for for our relationship, it's been so fun for me to be able to pitch you for audio because I, I don't always have a lot of audio to sell. And so I'm so excited when I get to pitch you on such a regular basis to all of the all of the audio editors because it's just been great to have awesome content to pitch them in a market where publishers are asking for a lot more control over those audio rights. So that's been great for me. And in terms of the the pushback, there really hasn't been any pushback in the sense that you are indie published because Mm -hmm. the audio market really cares about whether this book is right for audio. You know, like a lot of times when I'm pitching audio publishers, they sometimes they don't even read the books and this isn't a slight on them it's that they're looking at the genre they're looking at the author they're saying oh do we think that there's a market for this type of product you know in the audio market so they're a lot more business focused in that sense and they're also trying to acquire content so whereas with fiction editors trying to acquire novels they're really combing over every page and every character and and all of that sort of stuff. And with audio editors, they know that the book is a finished product and they don't have that wiggle room to be able to kind of make those you know, editorial changes. They're really looking at the big picture. 
And so with you writing in a category like the psychological thrillers, you know, domestic suspense and all of that, that's a category where it's still doing really well across the board. And I think that is really exciting for them as well. So it's been a all around really great experience for me, um, you know, being able to share your work. And I think I'm keeping audio editors on their toes in terms of how many books I'm pitching them. Um, but we've been able to, I'm trying to think how many deals we've done for you now for audio. Is it like seven? Are we at seven? Seven deals, no, right? Yeah, it's seven. Yeah. yeah. It's been super fun for me to be able to use my business brain in terms of thinking about you and your brand in a really holistic way that we can, you know, take over the world, as I said. <laughs> yeah, I think it's really cool because like you said earlier, you know, indie authors might not think that they need an agent. And and there are just so many doors that you can open for me that I can't necessarily do myself. You know, like I had mentioned, I had, you know, some companies reaching out about audio, but to be able to actually approach them, it, it's just a whole different ballgame. And we have a lot of boilerplates with all of the audio publishers because we work with them on a regular basis, whereas audio authors can absolutely negotiate directly. But if, if you don't have an agent, I recommend getting an entertainment lawyer or something like that because you want to make sure that, you know, you're covering all your bases. So you can definitely do it yourself, but agents do this on a regular basis. Yeah. And you've given me a lot of like ideas for, how to just market in general and different, like what we can add in extra for the audiobooks and that sort of thing. So I think it's just nice to have someone, you know, on your side that, you know, is trying to get you the best deal and, and really working for you. Thank you everybody for listening. Thank you, Kirsten, for being here, um, talking indie publishing with me. It was so nice to do an in-conversation with a client. To the listeners, if you guys liked this episode specifically on indie publishing, I recommend that you also check out Bianca interviewing K.A. Tucker. That's back in November 2020 and awesome, another awesome, great episode. So thank you guys so much for being here. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll close out this bonus episode with a big thank you to everybody. Yeah, thanks guys for listening. And that's it for today's episode. If you have any questions about writing or publishing, please email me at theshitaboutwriting at gmail.com and I'll do my best to get them answered for you. I hope you'll join us for next week's show. In the meantime, keep at it. Remember, it just takes one yes. Here's the thing. Ever wonder why aspiring authors spend so much time trying to crack the code about how to get published? That's because no one who's in the daily grind like me has put all the pieces together in one place. It's Carly Waters here, and as your senior literary agent on the podcast with 15 years of experience in publishing, selling books, and teaching the business of publishing, I'm here to give you the clarity that will turn this hobby into a career. Inside my course, The Author's Publishing Playbook, we have monthly live Q&A sessions to cover your specific issues, but for the rest, there are over 40 video lessons that equal 10 hours of learning with professionally edited transcripts. The course will solve all your writerly problems, except write your book for you. That's on you. My course is a masterclass designed to teach writers how to prepare, pitch, publish, and promote their book in today's competitive publishing landscape. It's for career-driven writers, aspiring and published, who want to understand how to succeed in the business of books. There are over 20 worksheets, downloads, and plug-and-play templates for editing, querying, and marketing. You get lifetime access for the entire six-module course as soon as you purchase. As new content gets added, you have access to that as well. Don't forget, there's a mobile app on top of computer access you can learn on the go. Get started today to gain the career you've only dreamed about. And you guys get a discount. So at checkout, carlywaters.com course, use code POD15. That's code POD15 when you check out for 15% off. That's carlywaters.com course, use code POD15. That's code POD15 when you check out for 15% off. See you inside the course.
Hi everyone, this is Cece. If you're a fan of books with hooks, then you've probably heard me use the term interiority. I often catch myself saying things like, these pages need more interiority, or the interiority here needs work. And that's because interiority is a super important element of storytelling. It's what makes books unique. But as it turns out, a lot of you have questions about what exactly is interiority and how to properly weave it into stories, which is why I'm teaching my popular writing interiority class in a new two-day format. We'll meet on Thursday, June 6 at 8 p.m. via Zoom to cover all things interiority, including the difference between interiority and emotions, how interiority is different from telling, how to leverage interiority into plot points, how to strike a balance between interiority and mystery, and more. And then we'll meet again for a live cozy Q&A session on Monday, June 10th, also at 8 p.m. via Zoom, in which you'll have the opportunity to turn your camera on if you choose. If you're interested, check out the link in my bio on Instagram, and I hope to see you there. Here's the thing. Ever wonder why aspiring authors spend so much time trying to crack the code about how to get published? That's because no one who's in the daily grind like me has put all the pieces together in one place. It's Carly Waters here, and as your senior literary agent on the podcast with 15 years of experience in publishing, selling books, and teaching the business of publishing, I'm here to give you the clarity that will turn this hobby into a career. Inside my course, The Author's Publishing Playbook, we have monthly live Q&A sessions to cover your specific issues, but for the rest, there are over 40 video lessons that equal 10 hours of learning with professionally edited transcripts. The course will solve all your writerly problems, except write your book for you. That's on you. My course is a masterclass designed to teach writers how to prepare, pitch, publish, and promote their book in today's competitive publishing landscape. It's for career-driven writers, aspiring and published, who want to understand how to succeed in the business of books. There are over 20 worksheets, downloads, and plug-and-play templates for editing, querying, and marketing. You get lifetime access for the entire six-module course as soon as you purchase. As new content gets added, you have access to that as well. Don't forget, there's a mobile app on top of computer access you can learn on the go. Get started today to gain the career you've only dreamed about. And you guys get a discount. So at checkout, carlywaters.com course, use code POD15. That's code POD15 when you check out for 15% off. That's carlywaters.com course, use code POD15. That's code POD15 when you check out for 15% off. See you inside the course. Hi, everyone. This is Cece. If you're a fan of books with hooks, then you've probably heard me use the term interiority. I often catch myself saying things like, these pages need more interiority, or the interiority here needs work. And that's because interiority is a super important element of storytelling. It's what makes books unique. But as it turns out, a lot of you have questions about what exactly is interiority and how to properly weave it into stories, which is why I'm teaching my popular writing interiority class in a new two-day format. We'll meet on Thursday, June 6 at 8 p.m. via Zoom to cover all things interiority, including the difference between interiority and emotions, how interiority is different from telling, how to leverage interiority into plot points, how to strike a balance between interiority and mystery, and more. And then we'll meet again for a live cozy Q&A session on Monday, June 10th, also at 8 p.m. via Zoom, in which you'll have the opportunity to turn your camera on if you choose. If you're interested, check out the link in my bio on Instagram, and I hope to see you there.